So good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Heights Christian Church. I'm Pastor John Sonkram. So if you listened earlier to the introduction, we here at Heights are about three things. As we love God, we love God's people, and we love serving God. And one of the ways we love God's people is that we tell them the truth and help each other out. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 states this, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We do that here. We correct each other. We teach each other. And sometimes we tease each other. And after my last sermon, one of my brothers in Christ came up to me and he was giving me a little bit of grief about using the word plethora. Now, I like plethora. Plethora is a beautiful word. It's fun to say, and well, it means a lot to me. If you didn't catch that joke, plethora means a lot, an abundance. Okay. So I understand that I should not use big words. When a singularly unloquacious and diminutive linguistic expression will satisfactorily accomplish the contemporary necessity. And I'm so happy I got that out without messing it up. All right, so as we continue our study in the book of Genesis, we get to see the story of Noah and his family, the flood, and the life following the flood. How many of y'all remember the story of Noah and the ark uh, from Sunday school when you were kids? If you were anywhere near a church when you were a child, you heard the story of Noah and the ark. So I want to ask you this question. How many of each type of animal did Moses take on the ark? It wasn't Moses, it was Noah. So the title of today's sermon is called The Days of Noah. I chose this title because of the subject matter. We are looking at the days of Noah. And I remember hearing scripture... Where someone says, as it was in the days of Noah, and so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And Jesus Christ said that. So let's check out context clues about what's going on in the time of Noah in the book of Genesis. And we'll start with Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and was grieved in his heart. And so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So we see here that there was great wickedness on the earth, and the intents and thoughts of the hearts of men were only evil continually. There was also corruption on the earth. And these are the things here, and the earth was filled with violence, and these are the things here that God saw and decided that the flood should happen. That's not a whole lot of reasons if you want reasons, right? But what we have here is the evil in men's hearts continually. So let's look at some other clues in the New Testament We'll begin in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 24, verses 37 through 39. But as the days of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating, drinking, and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. And also in Luke 17, verses uh, 26 through 30. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, As it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, so far, added to the clues of the evil in the heart and the corruption on the earth... We have people will be eating and drinking, getting married, buying and selling, planting and building, and continuing on with life as if nothing was going to happen. In First uh, Peter chapter three, verse 20, it mentions the patience of God, as it was in the days of Noah. While Noah built the ark. So that eight people, just eight people, would survive and be saved from certain death. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says this, And by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So it's Noah's faith, his preparation, and his family getting on the ark sealed the fate of the evil people. They were out of time. There was nothing else that could be said. So knowing that Jesus is the one that says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man, that is his return, 
we can look at prophetic words on the signs of the return of Jesus for more clues on how wicked the society was in the days of Noah. Peter notes in 2 Peter chapter 1 that there's a prophetic word that we need to heed because prophecy comes from the Holy Spirit through holy men of God. And he follows it up with these words, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction did not slumber. So there were also false prophets during that time as well. So it wasn't just the evil continuously in the heart of men or the corruption on the earth. These are more context clues as to what was going on there. False teachers will bring you false doctrines. They will seek to deceive you into believing that God wants you to live your best life now. When the truth is this, God wants you to spend eternity with him and have your best life there. And we see this um, God wants you to come to repentance and believe in Christ and have eternal life. That's where He wants your best life. And that is throughout the New Testament. So, how will people be during this time? More clues in New Testament. We look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But know this that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanderers without self-control brutal despisers of good traitors headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away These are the things that were going on in the time of Noah. To recall earlier in Genesis chapter 6, what was stated as the reason God destroyed the earth and all who were in it except for those in the ark. In Genesis chapter 5 we saw, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then again in chapter 11 we see, The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Add all these things to that, and we see the evil in the hearts of men. There was evil before the flood. We read about uh, Cain killing Abel, to what was probably jealousy because of his lack of obedience to the word of God. Lamech, a descendant of Cain, who killed a man for wounding him. Now this is different than the Lamech that was Noah's father. And let's not forget the serpent of old who deceived Eve into taking the fruit from the forbidden tree that brought sin into the world. 
And of course, the plethora of evil that covered the earth and corrupted mankind and caused God to grieve in his heart that he had made man to begin with. So where does this evil come from? Let's look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Here's the part I want to get to. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. The Lord God, Yahweh, creator of everything, said that the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And we see, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, man that shed, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. The Lord despises a wicked heart, and we have a heart of evil from our youth. Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20 says this, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So it is out of the, what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. That's why drunk people are so honest. And the heart is evil. And that is where these evil thoughts and these sins come from. John MacArthur stated this, Satan isn't the one behind the wretched, corrupt, sinful behavior of any given society. The flesh takes care of that. Satan is behind the corrupt religion, the false systems of belief. Scripture has shown us, shown us that it is our own heart that is evil. Not the one beating in our chest, but the very core of who we are, the very center of our nature, is evil. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, we see the great description of the evils of the world that a man will embrace at the end of ages. And while I will not read this passage in its entirety, I want to show you, I want you to do that on your own time uh, as you study what I'm about to tell you from this section. In Romans 1.21, we see that because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The hearts were darkened because they would not obey God. They would not admit to who he was. Romans 1.24 Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts. The desire of man is to fulfill the lust of the flesh rather than to honor God. Fulfilling the lust of the flesh dishonors your own body as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6.18 When he says flee sexual immorality. 
Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You see, fulfilling the lust of your heart is a sin against your own body. It is the only sin that we are told to flee rather than to resist. Romans chapter 1 continues with this, and I'll read verses 26 through 32. For this reason, man, God gave them up to the vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, and likewise also to the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. These are nothing new. I would submit that these were going on. This is part of the evil that was in the world when Noah was there. And they will also be going on when Christ returns because this is prophecy for his return. So did you pay attention to that last verse? Verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death and not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. You see, those who practice them are deserving of death and those who approve of it are wrong as well. When you approve of those who practice this lawlessness, you're not doing them or yourself any favors. You can love them, and that love includes correction in their sins. This is not a judgment of them as much as it is informing them of the error of their ways before God gives them over to the lust of their hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? While they are fulfilling the lust of their hearts, they are following something that is deceitful and wicked. But there's good news. God has given us grace. Let's return for a minute to Genesis chapter 6 and read verses 8 and 9. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God. God is always looking for a reason to withhold his wrath. We see this numerous times in Scripture. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a just man, and he walked with God. Guess what else Noah did? After the journey of over a year on the ark... When his family and all the animals finally vacated the ark, Noah does this in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. 
Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. This is why Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the things that he did before the flood, before God even said anything about destroying the earth and all mankind. Noah was honoring God through his obedience to him. And what was God's reaction to all this? Let's look at verse 21. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. See, God made a promise. He made a new covenant to never again destroy the earth and everything on it with a flood. Noah's actions and his obedience led to this action by God. Let's look at this covenant in Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall, I, shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be the sign for the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth and that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. This covenant is not just between God and man. This covenant is between God and man, the earth, and all the living creatures on it. I don't recall, and I could be wrong, I don't recall any other time in which God made a covenant with the animals. You see, this is what the rainbow means. It is a symbol of God's covenant and a reminder to us and to God. See, God's grace for Noah holds true for today through the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And likewise in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if all have sinned, And the wages of sin is death. Then we all deserve death. But God has offered a gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ and through his sacrifice. When Paul and Silas were in prison and an earthquake shook the prison foundation and opened the doors and loosened the chains. The jailer awoke, saw the doors were open, assumed everybody had left and he was about ready to kill himself. When Paul said they were still there, 
And this is what happened next in Acts chapter 16, verses 29 through 31. And then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, listen to this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Sometimes I've heard Christians, mostly Christian artists, who have a crisis of faith or no longer believe in Jesus. To them and anyone going through this, I want you to comprehend the words in Mark chapter 9. When the father of a demon-possessed boy begs Jesus to cast out the demon, we start in verse 23 of chapter 9 of Mark, where Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now imagine this. This man is standing in front of Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, and he still needs help with his unbelief. So do not fret when you have moments of unbelief and do not fret when you have doubt because you are working against a deceitful heart and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that. And it is through the study of Scripture, through prayer and in obedience to the Word of God that will help you increase your faith And cut out the evilness that is in your heart. It's through the assembling of yourselves together with like-minded believers. That strengthens your countenance just as iron sharpens iron. God showed grace to Noah. Because of his obedience and willingness to honor God. And he can do the same for you. So we saw the correlation between the days of Noah and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it was Jesus who gave us that context that put those two together that as it was then, it will be when I come back. This linked future events with the return of Christ to the events that were going on with Noah. This caused the destruction of the entire world with a flood, but next time it will not be that way. But with fire. As Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, just as the flood came suddenly, but after years, and that's just reference, by the way. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, the flood came suddenly, and it was after years of warning that fell on deaf ears. It will be that way when Christ returns. It will happen suddenly after years of warnings falling on deaf ears. Because there is evil in our hearts from our youth, we know that we must obey the word of God and his commands in order to overcome it. Being a Christian means that we need to humble ourselves, put our own desires aside, and follow the commands of Christ. Paul states in Galatians 5, verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. After reading some of the passages about our deceitful heart and the directions that it will lead us, I would venture to say that walking in the Spirit is way better for our eternal soul. And finally, we have seen that Noah found grace in the eyes of God due to his obedience and willingness to give God the glory that he deserves. 
Noah honored God with his life. His great-grandfather was Enoch, who walked with God before God took him to heaven without even a death. We still receive grace from God today because if we didn't, many of us would not be here. Paul tells us of what Jesus told him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says this. This is Jesus speaking. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now remember, while our hearts will deceive us, it will by no means deceive Christ. And it is he who gives us the grace that is sufficient for us so that we will be with him for eternity. Let's go ahead and stand. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Noah and the grace he has found in your eyes. We know that your grace is sufficient for us and it is your strength that helps us to overcome our evil hearts. Lord, we pray now and ask that you will convict those who seek to make a mockery of the symbol of your covenant to us and so that they will see that it is through a life in Christ that our own lives become better. We know we will still have trials and tribulations, but with you with us, we are able to withstand them. Lord, we humbly ask that you will grant us the opportunity to speak truth to those who are lost and that we will have the boldness to do so. We live in a dark world that is searching for light and hope, and it is only through you that it can be attained. Grant us your peace and your love that we may give that love to others and help us to be a light in, in this dark world. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.